powerful men. Why do they stay in loveless marriages? Why do they cheat on their partners? Is it the guilt? The shame? One thing we know for sure, they have secrets. So many secrets. This is a story about dreams. Dreams wished for, dreams realized, and dreams shattered. And a ubiquitous adversary that yields much power. Can we ever come out of the other side after we've seemingly lost everything and been defeated by a powerful enemy? This is Rebuilding a Divorcee. Here's Crystal Morris. A couple months after Mary moved out, California began mandatory lockdowns. Mary called in a panic, basically on Jay's doorstep. Her quote-unquote boyfriend was not able to financially support her, and she had nowhere else to go. Jay was now a prisoner in his own home, trapped with a woman he didn't trust, who'd betrayed him. Why'd he take her back in? Simple. While he was disgusted by her actions, he didn't want her to die. His now ex-wife, who suffered from lupus, and her 18-year-old daughter, whom he helped raise for the last 10 years of her life, were both in his home during the height of the pandemic. Adding an additional layer of stress, the daughter also suffered from lupus and depression, leaving Jay as sole caretaker, provider, and protector for two sickly women. One who despised him, and the other who was confused and seeking safety. Amy had grown up seeing Jay as her father since she didn't have a strong connection to her biological. Jay got Amy involved in anime and comic books, and prior to COVID, they regularly went to anime expos together in California. Like any teen, she loved Disneyland and Harry Potter. It was Jay's bond with his daughter. Because of her mental illness, Jay had attempted to teach Amy to drive, but Amy didn't end up getting her license. Mary liked to keep tabs on her daughter, so removing the potential for independence was the simplest way to keep her daughter safe. Amy had stayed with Jay primarily during the split to give her some consistency and stability with her life. During this time, he noticed her mental health was seeming better. She was less depressed, less scattered. She also became more interested in her own personal growth and future. Jay taught his stepdaughter to be curious and inquisitive. So while she was not ready to jump into college, she was forming her own opinions. Amy, like many teenage girls, had a strained relationship with her mother. Mary left her father when she was very young. And so Jay took it upon himself to be a father figure to Amy. To Jay, Amy was his daughter. Then one morning, Jay found Amy unconscious on her bed. She was barely breathing and completely unresponsive. At first glance, she appeared that she had taken most of her antidepressants and he wasn't sure what else. He called 911, then Mary. The fear of losing his stepdaughter by moving out was nothing compared to the thought of losing her in his life. Unfortunately, this wasn't the first time Amy had attempted to take her life. Since he was no longer married to her mother, Amy was no longer under his insurance. While Mary had insurance of her own, it was a far cry from what Jay held in his corporate career. Amy was under suicide watch for over a week before they would let her go home. It was hard for Jay not to jump in and save the day. He helped with some of the hospital bills, but ultimately had to refuse to take on the full financial burden of the $30,000 hospital bill. Watching his stepdaughter in such a frail state broke his heart. She was lifeless, cathartic, and disoriented most of the time. He still wanted to protect both of these women, despite how badly the divorce had hurt him. Kicking them out of the house and risking that they would be exposed to the virus during the pandemic was not an option for him. So he continued on, trapped in this warped version of reality, a distorted image of the perfect family he once had. His ex-wife had once looked at him with adoration and lust, and now she showed him nothing but anger and resentment. 
His stepdaughter, who he imagined one day walking down the aisle, was simply a zombie on the couch as she was regularly medicated. Jay would wake up every day, go down to his kitchen to get a cup of bulletproof coffee, and then immediately run away back into his office. The energy from his ex-wife made him want to isolate himself. He'd fake his smiles for his morning conference calls. He needed something to change. He applied for medical leave to take care of his daughter. Around that time, Mary went to stay with her mother in Northern California, finally offering him space to breathe. During a few weeks, Amy was improving and seemed more alert than she'd ever been. They were doing things together. She started hanging out with friends, being active again. It was a full 180. Amy had quietly grown suspicious after her mom left. She was taking less and less medication and feeling better. She snuck out one day and went to get tested. Amy came home with some unexpected news that she didn't actually have lupus and that she'd been told her entire life. How could this be, Jay asked. Amy was equal parts excited and confused and Jay suggested they get a second opinion as soon as they could. It was an extensive panel. The doctors were pretty sure that Amy was not sick and that's when Jay knew the truth. Mary had been convincing everyone for years that Amy was sick so that she could keep her medicated and seem like a loving and supportive mom. Mary never allowed Amy to sit in on diagnosis portion of her treatments before she was 18. So one can only guess that the lupus medications she was giving her daughter were her own. Amy was a case of having had Munchausen syndrome by proxy, which by definition is a mental health problem in which a caregiver makes or causes an illness or injury in a person under his or her care, such as a child, an elderly adult, or a person who has a disability. Amy's depression was likely a byproduct of being fed medications that she did not need, being a teenager with raging hormones, and her mother's controlling behavior. <laughs> 